So now it's time for this. News Talk's Executive Chair. Thanks to Skillnet Ireland, driving business success through innovative training and upskilling. And I'm delighted to welcome to the Executive Chair, Connor Heaney, he's the Managing Director and Co-Founder of CXC Global, EMEA. Connor, you're very welcome to the programme. Bobby, it's great to be here. How are you doing? All good. And I want to bring you back to the early days in Belfast. Uh, you attended St. Malachy's College in, in Belfast. You were, I think, the fourth generation of your family to attend there, but the second generation to get kicked out of the same St. Malachy's College. Tell us about that. <laughs> early education and all that good stuff. That's that's quite a, a, a dubious distinction, Bobby. So... Loved the school. Um, as you say, fourth generation to go there. My dad went there, my grandfather, all my uncles and my great-grandfather as well. But uh, we liked the social side of school, but maybe not the academic side of school. And it was a great school to go to, but um, the academic side wasn't really my thing. So I, I, I unfortunately, I got kicked out the, the day I was due to start my A-level. So right. <laughs> that, that set me back a few years. <laughs> Now, your father was in, uh, had a construction business, so you would have been, I suppose you would have seen business fairly up up close and central, yes. been part of family life. Uh, you wanted to be a lawyer. Um, your dad, uh, he was successful and then he had difficulties in business. Did that have a big effect on you? It, it did, Bobby, and I I loved seeing my dad go out to work in the mornings Um you know, he'd get up at five, six in the morning. Uh, he'd run quite a successful subcontracting construction business. And I used to love having breakfast with him before he went to work. And I love to hear about his stories and all that. But he, he, dad was in business for nearly 40 years. Um, he set up his business when he was 17, but he was crunched by the crunch back in, in 2008. And that that had a huge impact on me. I didn't realize it at the time. Of course, it had a huge impact on him and, and, and my family and, of course, m- many other people. But... It really made me afraid of failure, yeah. um, business failure, because as you'll appreciate, Bobby, and, and many of your listeners will, the average age of a business these days is 18 years, right? In the 1950s, it was 61 years, right? Yeah. So you, you, you don't have that many chances to make it successful. And I think that that's what really drives me on. I, I don't want to fail. I appreciate that, that one can fail and one does fail, but that, that really spurs me on. Yeah. It really does. But I admire my dad... Um, Bobby, incredibly, because he went from being outwardly successful with all the trappings that, that one would expect to, you know, he's now working in the gig economy, something I feel really, really passionate about, about protecting people in the gig economy. But as my dad says, you know, he's no no real bills to worry about, no people to pay, no suppliers to worry Life about. Life is simpler. Life is simpler, indeed. Yeah. But um, we, We'll come back to that sure. in a second, uh, Connor. Um, off to university, firstly to do international business in Dundee, then law at Queen's. When did you decide that you didn't want to be a lawyer, even though you were on that on that career path? Probably, Bobby, about about two years into it. So I, I started my legal training in the criminal criminal law back in back in Belfast, and I must admit it was incredibly exciting. We worked on a lot of whole high high profile cases. I think the last case that I worked on was the uh, Northern Bank robbery, where we were acting for. So the the main defendant in that case, but Whoa. but there's an old saying that crime doesn't pay, right? And it doesn't pay if you're a trainee lawyer. And uh, I worked out that it would probably have taken me some time to become a partner and, and get the associated wealth and, and trappings that goes with that. So I was always more interested in in the business side of law, and I had the opportunity to move into commercial law. 
uh, with a, a legal consultancy firm called Quig Golden. That was here in Dublin. Here yeah. in Dublin. And that was the catalyst for a lot of change in my life. Not just, you know, I'd lived in... In, in Scotland and uh, at university and whatnot, Bobby. But coming to Dublin was, was an immense change, but a very positive change. At, at the time, Belfast was still quite moribund. It, it's reinvented itself e- economically, but, but Dublin was amazing then. It was just at, at the, at, before the Celtic Tiger really blew and yeah. there was this wave of SSIA money and everyone seemed to have second or third homes elsewhere. And it was just... It, was just it wasn't to last as well, <laughs> no. <laughs> so you found your way then, I suppose, your way out of law and into where you currently are now was maybe through recruitment. Yes. Uh, you worked with a couple of recruitment businesses, Aston Carter and the Rethink Group, yes. yeah? Yes. So when I think of recruitment, I think of sales, I think of networking, I think of, like, to be a good recruiter, you really do need to be, could I say, almost aggressive. Yeah, Maybe I, that's the wrong word, but I, but but you certainly do need to, you know, use all your wit and your intellect and your, you know, your body language to just make sure that you can find the right people and put them in the right job. Yeah, I, I, I'm smiling as you're asking that question, Bobby, because I, I felt that recruitment, particularly when I started my recruitment career, was the ultimate uh, business learning, business challenge. You had to have sharp elbows. You had to live by your wits. You you had to live by speed. I, I speak fast and I still think fast, I hope. Um, but it was an incredible business learning because someone was essentially paying you to build a business for them. And if you think of all the things that you had to learn around payment terms, contractual negotiation, finding the people, working with some of the world's largest companies, it was really positively challenging and and this sounds egotistical Bobby but I was really really good at it I, I, I really enjoyed elements of it but recruitment in in that space you know essentially we were, we were selling or providing IT contractors to big bank A telco B etc you know the, some of the world's largest companies but it was quite transactional by nature yeah um, you know one off people that you're placing here and there. And I, I enjoyed much more the workforce solutions elements, uh, which, which is what we do in CXC today. It's about longer term programs, larger programs. We're talking about, you know, providing workers in the thousands, you know, five year, 10 year, multi year deals. Some of the deals that we've worked on and I've worked on are, have, have a contract value of up to $2 billion over, over a five year well, period. That, well, that's, that brings us nicely on uh, to uh, CXE Global. So just maybe essentially explain what exactly it is that you do again. Sure. Because I, I think that's I think it's important for my next couple of questions, which will be around the gig economy and all that. So, so are you a provider of software? Are you a provider of of personnel, or a combination of both? Great question, Bobby. A combination of both. I think the best way I would explain what we do is. We, we help large, medium and emerging companies manage their non-permanent workforces. So that could be an independent contractor or contractors, smaller suppliers, gig workers or temporary workers that come onto our payroll. And we do that in, in the thousands of workers, Bobby. We, we manage here in Europe around 4,000 workers on a, on a monthly basis and across the globe around 15,000. So we've got quite a significant business. And the, the, the market... It's 120 million euro yeah. business is I, very significant. It, it is. Well, I, I still, you know, Bobby, I still pinch myself sometimes. You know, we've grown the business significantly in, in the eight-year period since I co-founded it, uh, along with Dave Thomas, who's, who's now our, our, our chairman. And it's been it's been quite the journey. Um, I, I think as a business skills, Bobby, some of your li- listeners might appreciate that. 
it's sometimes easier at the start. You know, yeah. it's just you and a couple of others and <clears throat> you can make decisions very quickly and you can move extremely fast and you and you can take commercial and calculated risks. But as the business has got bigger, you have to become much more risk averse, of course, because, yeah. you know, we've got 70 people in our in our business that we, we, we worry about and we care for and they've got mortgages to pay. And um, you have to become that bit more professional. And I, the leader I am today, I suppose, is, is completely different from the, the leader that I was eight years ago, but it's been a fantastic journey. More to come. When you talk about the world that you <clears throat> that you abide in, Connor, um, talking about the gig economy, like there, there, when you look at you know, there's there's probably has been exploitative practice. There has been, you know, it, it, you look at somebody in that world and you say that's a tough way to you know to pay your rent or you know. So often there there are people that are not in a position. To maybe stand up for themselves, or, or ask for more money, or whatever it is, and and they sometimes would you could suggest might be left to govern their own devices, pay their own taxes, yeah. and so so when as somebody who's been fairly close to that world, where do you see it now, and where do you see it going? Well, firstly, I agree with you, Bobby. Um, there's the lower paid bracket of workers in that sector that are essentially shoehorned in the contracts for services. And, and if you look at that objectively or subjectively, there's no way those workers should be independent contractors. <clears throat> they're told to wear a uniform. They're, they're, they're told to deliver something. They're told to turn up at a certain they time. Don't they, they, they don't want to be self-employed. They don't want to be self-employed. And I would describe <clears throat> those workers, it's a crude description, Bobby, as low choice, no choice. They've got, they've got inability because of their lack of bargaining power to actually negotiate better rates, right? And in a lot of cases, they're doing those jobs through desperation because there isn't yeah. other work out there. And then you've got the other sector of the gig economy, Bobby, which is what I would just describe as high choice high cost, the, the typical high-end knowledge workers in IT or grey collar that can name their price, that are, are geographically mobile, that can have multiple gigs or opportunities at the same time. Those folks don't need protected because invariably they've got their own companies, they trade on their own account, they've got their own insurances. But the people in that low choice, no choice bracket, Bobby, I feel incredibly passionate about protecting them. Um, and the great thing about CXC is we put the, the correct employment structures in place to actually engage those workers on behalf of some of the platforms. Now, the good news is, and I don't want to get too technical, even though I've moved away from a lot, the law, a lot of my job revolves around law. There's an EU directive next year coming out uh, in relation to platform workers, and that's essentially putting guide rails and protections in place for the low-choice, no-choice gig workers. So in short, if you're engaged through a platform, you're automatically presumed to be an employee from yeah. next year, which is tremendous, absolutely tremendous, and we really welcome that. And of course, that's a market opportunity for, for companies like ours. And when you look further down the road, and obviously legislation will, will do what it does and yes. try to try to protect and try to, I suppose, safeguard this huge cohort of employees... But maybe is there an upside to it? Is it? Do you see a world where, you know, someday we'd all work for ourselves? That, uh, or or will we? Like, where do you see it moving next? I think that's a great point, Bobby. So the the current non permanent employee market is valued at about one hundred and forty seven trillion dollars. One hundred and forty seven trillion dollars. It's forecast by twenty fifty to grow to nearly five hundred trillion dollars. So. Currently, in the large enterprise space, one in three workers is non-permanent. They're not employed. So right. my guess is and my bet is, is that sector will grow, right? 
Companies typically don't want the the high fixed cost base of having permanent employees. They want a more flexible workforce. They want to flex up and down. But crucially, and we've seen this during the pandemic, people don't want to work for the man anymore, right? The era of a a full-time job or the the gold watch, that stereotypical thing at the end of 25 years or 30 years, that's gone. I think it's gone for good. And people want that autonomy and flexibility, but they need that protection, Bobby, that we spoke about um, a few moments ago in order in order for that flexible gig fluid workforce to work, in our view. So what's next for a CXC Global and, as I say, rapid uh, development over the past eight years, 120 million in sales? Uh, that's, that's some growth. Uh, um, and I presume your ambition is further growth. Further growth, uh, agree, Bobby. And... As a business leader, sometimes I question my ability to take our business to the next stage. That's full disclosure. But I have those wobbles from time to time, but I can't wait to grow the business. And the intention is to grow our business in Europe by by 10x, by 10 times that sales figure. So that might seem crazy to to you and your listeners. But when you start at zero eight years ago and you get to 120 million in sales, it it might not seem that crazy. No, not at all. We're going to give it a good go, Bobby. But... Um, we're launching a product called Out of Office. It's, it's very imaginatively named, as, as you can tell. But um, in short, our, our, our goal with that platform is to match digital nomads with remote work opportunities. And you, you'll, you'll have seen a lot of press recently around places like Barbados, Portugal, Croatia, the list goes on, um, aiming to attract digital nomads into their economy with low taxes and best quality of living. You know, do you want to uh, earn money and drink rum at the same time? All that sort of message. And we're not advocating that, of course, but we are going to provide the gateway to allow workers. Uh, yeah, that go. seems like a huge opportunity. I think so, Bobby. I mean, the the figures that we looked at recently have about 30 million or so digital nomads today that want to work internationally. Whoa, oh, And very finally then, you're also a host of a podcast called open talent report that talks to business leaders, CEOs about the future of work, automation and jobs, displacement, stuff that we've just talked about there now. So does that keep you that does that keep you current in terms of what's going on in the sector? Yeah, I really enjoy the the podcast, Bobby. It it, it gives me a lot of pleasure and a lot of joy and as a relatively young man, I'm 42, I, I get to learn from a lot of business leaders that have, have been there, done that, and they very kindly give an hour or so of their time to do that. But it's fascinating to see what is going on in the world of work, automation, <coughs> um, new platforms, new ways of working. And um, I think the future looks bright, but I am, I am concerned, I must admit, by automation and its impact on jobs. I'm really worried about that. Okay, well, we'll have to leave it there. Great to talk to you. Great to meet you, Connor. Connor Heaney, Managing Director and Co-Founder of CXC Global. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Bobby.